Two weeks ago, Annie preached on a story that happens two chapters before our scripture reading today. It's the story of Jesus' first public sermon. Depending on how, who you ask, it may or may not have gone too well because it ended up with Jesus' neighbors taking him to a cliff and attempting to murder him, throw him off the cliff. We hope that some of those strong feelings have mellowed out a bit by the time we get to this story two chapters later. Jesus has been high up on a mountain praying, and he has just called his 12 apostles, and he comes down, and the crowds assemble again. They're ready to finally hear Jesus lay out his whole program for what's coming, and they are surprised once again. Friends, let us listen once more to God's word, reading from the sixth chapter of Luke, beginning with the 17th verse. Now Jesus went down with them, and he stood on a level place, and a large crowd of disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits, they were cured, and the people all tried to touch Jesus because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, Jesus spoke, saying these words, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you, you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, Jesus says, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Friends, these two are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, Seen Sideways. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we pray that you will turn us over. That you will hold us in your hands and look at us from all sides and that you will set us right on a level plane again. Oh God, we pray that all the meditations of those hearts gathered here, that the words of my mouth might ultimately be glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. 
Amen. I don't know about you all, but this passage, to me at least, feels somewhat disorienting. I was coming back from Atlanta earlier this week, and it was one of those plane rides where by the time my body finally hit the plastic bucket they call the seat, I mean, I was just done. I was so tired. I'd woke up real early last Sunday and even earlier on Monday to catch the flight up to Atlanta. I was there for continuing education, and I was just doing things the whole time I was there, and I didn't sleep real well in a hotel bed, anyone else like that. The plane was delayed, and by the time I finally got into my seat, I was just done. I closed my eyes, and I put my headphones in. There's one other thing, though, that you have to know. When I travel by myself, I have this mortal fear of slipping into such a deep sleep that I am just snoring my brains out. (laughs) I'm looking at my mom, because if you knew my father, this would make a lot of sense. I just cut logs, you know. I mean, no seat made on an airplane deserves that. I don't care who they are. And so I was sort of in this, like, twilight zone where I was really tired, but my body wasn't really ready to fully let itself go to sleep. And the plane began to taxi, and then it took off. And not long after it took off, we started to take one of those sort of gentle left turns. And I don't know if you all have ever noticed this, but on an airplane, when your eyes are closed and your shade is down and the plane begins to turn, you can feel it turn, but you can't always feel it stop turning. So it felt like it had been turning for a long time, and I guess there was a window on the other side of the cabin that was open, and the sun just sort of cut across the cabin at a really weird angle, and it hit my eyelids, and my eyes just came open because my body in that moment felt like we were upside down, like this was it, just for a moment. It was really disorienting. I discovered this week that there's actually a term for this. It's called spatial disorientation. It's actually quite dangerous for pilots and for divers. It it happens when you are no longer able to determine your position or your location or motion relative to the environment around you. And it most commonly occurs when you lose your reference point, when you lose that horizon. That's what's happening in this scripture, at least for me. There's some spatial disorientation happening for many of us, right? We start with that gentle turn of the blessed R's. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who weep. Blessed are you who hunger. And we get to that lovely line where Jesus calls on us to rejoice and leap for joy. Yes. But then suddenly we break out of the clouds and everything is upside down. Up is down and down is up. The sky is below us and the the ground is above us. Woe to you who are rich, Jesus says. Woe to you who have full bellies. Woe to you who laugh. 
Woe to you, preacher man, who stands at the door every Sunday and has people tell you how great you are. Woe to you. The world, as I read it at least, suddenly feels a good bit like that photo on the front of our bulletins. It's all turned sideways. Y'all ever heard of free diving? I guess you could call it a sport. It's a crazy sport if it's a sport. It's these people who go to these holes of water where no one's ever found the bottom of it, or they go out into the, the open ocean and they don't have any scuba deer, they, gear, they just put flippers and goggles on and they just start going down. I mean, they'll dive down completely unsupported to like 100 plus feet. There's this woman, a free diver in Hawaii named Kimmy Werner. And I watched this video where she was sort of describing that experience. And she described this, this thing that I didn't even know was a thing. I'd never heard of it. It's called negative buoyancy. She talks about how when you are a diver and you first go down, the buoyancy of the water is trying to pull you back up to the surface. And so you have to fight to break through that first barrier of atmosphere. And then, though, you get to this point where the buoyancy, it, it flips. And you just start to sink. She was talking in this video about how when she first started these deeper drops, it was that feeling that really scared her. I sort of heard her describing spatial disorientation, right? Suddenly, things aren't how they're supposed to be. Down is up, and up is down. She said it really scared her. And the reason it really scared her was because this feeling comes over you that you're being pulled somewhere where you might not yet be ready to go. But she said the more you do it, the more you learn to just surrender to it. And the more you surrender to it, the more it feels, and these are her words, the more it feels, she says, like you're just being pulled home. You're just being pulled home. Friends, what if our disorientation is actually God? pulling us home. God's saying that if we are going to be with God, then we better come down off our mountains. That if we're going to be with God, then we got to come down and get on God's level. And Jesus is very clear here about who's on God's level. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are hated. We've got to get down on God's level. And if God's level feels sideways to us, then we better start seeing sideways. Y'all ever looked at a room upside down? I was here on Friday night by myself, and so... 
I felt like it was safe, that I could get on the floor of my office and just look at it upside down. And it's amazing what I noticed. I noticed that picture frames have shadows at the bottom. Never really noticed the bottom shadow of a picture frame. I noticed the bugs and the lights as well. But looking around with my eyes, I noticed books that for whatever reason, just never stood out to me right side up. I noticed little piles that I had forgotten about, little trinkets I had set here and there that I was as good as blind to on my feet. What if seeing sideways does the same thing for our faith? What if seeing the world sideways is what will allow us to finally notice the people God notices? And friends, we all already know their names. Yes, it is the homeless person on the bench, but it's also the addicted mom down the street. And it's that lonely kid at a cafeteria table. We know the people God notices. It's the abused and the disabused child. It's the people in our world and in our everyday lives that are so easy to overlook. It's the fast food worker and the midnight street sweeper. It's the person who cleans the hallways and takes care of the mess in a hospital room. We know their names. It's the depressed co-worker. It's the pro bono lawyer, the free clinic doctor. It's the underpaid and overworked teacher. It's also the person who has questions. It's the person who has doubts. It's the person who's struggling, struggling to love, struggling to forgive. It's the person who has nothing at all to offer. It's the person who wonders to themselves, how in the world did I get here? It's the mom in the empty corridor of Hartsfield on the way to the Uber lot who's asleep with her two kids in her lap and her arms wrapped around them. And guess what? She's not waiting for a flight. She's there because it's the safest and warmest place the police would let her be. And let's get real, too, for a moment. It's, it's the immigrant, right? It's the undocumented. It's the asylum seeker. It's all the people on the other side of all the walls of our lives. It's everyone whose world is sideways. It's everyone who the talking heads label so matter-of-factly as broken and alien and weak and disposable. It's the people that have wealth and full bellies. It's the people who have egos and inflated senses of self-importance. It's the people who... Just say things like, well, that's just how things are. It's those people that those things blind us to. Those are the ones that God calls blessed. So there's only one way to recover from spatial disorientation. Can you guess what it is? You got to refine your reference point. For a pilot, that's the instruments or the horizon appearing out the windshield. 
But for us today, I think to rediscover our reference point, we have to turn our heads. We have to see the world around us sideways. Because seeing things differently, seeing people, all people differently, will lead to other things. It will lead us to give and serve and vote. It will lead us to speak up and speak out for each other. It will lead us to love each other, to sit with each other, and to stand up for each other. It will lead us to surrender to that feeling of being pulled to somewhere where we are afraid we're not yet ready to go. It will help us to see the world sideways because when we start to see the people that God sees, and friends, make no mistake about it, Jesus is so clear here about who God sees. When we start to see the people God sees, then we may also begin to find level ground for ourselves we may begin to encounter something that feels a bit like God's grace. We may inch closer ourselves to what it really means to be blessed. And in the process, we may find ourselves being pulled home. Friends, for the sake of the gospel, And for the sake of the world, may we see sideways. May we see who and what God sees. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.